looking back. Forward, yeah, looking forward to today. Just a bit of an informal chat about yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's I good thought chit chat. Yeah, and I thought um a couple of coffees might go down nicely just while we're sitting here having a sip and <laughs> Smithy, you've just uh, hit me with um Yeah, the bombshell. You've boycotted. Oh, just briefly, just a week or two. I've yep. been off the caffeine for a week. It's been oh, it's been bloody rough actually. Yeah, yeah. Get up in the morning, I've got nothing to look forward to. <laughs> Just hating my life. <laughs> my life is Wondering dumb. why I'm such a weirdo. <laughs> but I it just, is one of those things you, you look forward to in the morning, hey? It's a part oh, of the morning ritual, uh-huh. that morning Big coffee. Time. You know? Yeah, yeah. I actually get excited getting out of bed and then we turn our coffee machine on we wait for it to heat up because yeah. it makes a better coffee if it's been turned on for sort of 20 or 30 minutes. So oh, yeah. I don't think it's good to have a coffee straight up anyway. I think we sort yeah. of discussed that previously. But after you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, I just really enjoy just making that first coffee. And yeah. Yeah, so I'm missing it. And is this uh, cessation of drinking coffee a part of just just detoxing yourself a little bit from it and so then when you go back to it, you enjoy the benefits a little bit more of it? I reckon, yeah. I feel like I get a bit um, – because I drink probably three coffees most days, which might be a lot for some people, but mm. I just feel like if I have a break every now and then, it just sort of resets everything and get that ki- – like that first coffee back because I do this yeah. sort of semi-regularly. Oh, man, it's just yeah. – Man, it's like a cup yeah. of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you do feel like making a little noise. Like it's yeah. it's it's nice. That'd so. be a little ritual in itself, wouldn't it? You, like you'd have some oh. some um, meditation music going on. Like, oh. I make sure, like I really go to town, making a really good one. That first yeah. one back, like I make sure the grinds just right. And yeah. yeah, it'd be filthy if it was a burn. Yeah. If you oh, burnt the nah, chuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too important. <laughs> so, how long you got to go then? How long? Uh, I've been going for a week, so I might just go for a few more days, or yeah. maybe up to another week. Yeah, I think they say if you do it for a week, you pretty much reset. Yeah, right. Everything. So I'm probably almost out of the woods, but um, also don't mind just putting myself under a bit of stress every now and then, and just. I don't yep. like feeling like I'm reliant on something that I can't control. Yeah. So I like to just show myself that even though I don't enjoy not having coffee, I can easily do it. Yeah. It's just yep. like a little bit of a mental thing for me. So yeah, I often yeah. think yeah, about just, the yeah. zombie apocalypse and then um, when everything's turned to shit and you're in this barren wasteland of a world, how will I get by without coffee? Oh, <laughs> man. But surely, okay, so initially you're going to have, uh, you know, your service stations deserted and, you know, shopping centres where you can go and raid the coffee fridge stock up on ice cold coffee, whatever. But there's going to be no power to make normal coffee. So you're going to be reliant on cold, you know, mm. iced coffee. That'll eventually run out, obviously, when people... Couldn't you, know, you make a fire? Well, you'd heat the water, pour the water over the beans? Yep. Yeah. But well, where are the beans coming where from? Where are the beans? And Didn't yep. you get the beans from the service stations? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be beans around initially in the shops, won't there? Where and you're the, the only person looted. left in the world in this zombie apocalypse. Oh, no, there's other people alive. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why the So you're fighting them for the coffee. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be a full-on... It's like a currency. Yeah, it, it will be. Yeah. Oh, coffee is a currency. Yeah. Yeah, imagine, yeah. That, imagine if it was in an apocalyptic world um, trading coffee beans. Yeah. I reckon mm. you'd get good money if you had good coffee. Well, what, yeah. is, what well, is, any, is money, any coffee? Really? Well, Money's is only money? something we give value to, isn't it? Yeah. It's only a tiny bit of paper. Here's 20 bucks. Yeah. Coffee would be the same. Yeah. Give you the hot tip. If the apocalypse comes and someone's got a $20 note or a fucking glass of coffee, I'll go to the coffee every time, hey? Take like, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. a $20 note's going to mean fuck it's all. It's going to mean yeah. nothing for you. Yeah. So did you have initial withdrawal symptoms? and? Uh, yeah, I, I did actually. Just, uh, you know, like those sort of just dull all over headaches? Mm. Yeah. Sort of probably had that for a couple of days. I wonder what's going probably. on there. I'm sure someone would know. I think it's something to do with the... Caffeine uh, changes like the blood flow in your brain. Then, when you don't have it, the um, 
arteries or whatever in your brain are slightly uh, affected by the withdrawal of it. So right. it's sort of like slightly different level of um, perfusion okay, yeah. going through your noggin. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, it's, not, it. it's definitely it's definitely addictive, isn't it? Oh, because yeah, you, yeah, 100%. I can I only have maybe one or two a day, yep. three on a really good day. Yep. But if I don't have that morning coffee by mid-afternoon, mm. I will have that headache. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not nicotine, yeah, nah. sort of heroin kind of addiction nah. properties, but there's definitely some properties of addiction about it. I reckon, for me, the most addictive thing is just the ritual of having a coffee and the, the taste of having the coffee. Like, yeah. yeah, the headache, you know, you kind of, yeah. I, I find I can just not even think about it. You know, yeah. you're sort of aware of it, but it's not in the forefront of your mind like you've just hit your fingernail with a hammer or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the ritual and the taste and everything, I really yeah. miss out on that. Did, so. did you wean yourself off with a couple of decaf days or I nah, no, just nah, went just, cold turkey? Yeah. Yeah, so that's hardcore. That yeah, is hardcore. The, the tea doesn't cut it, you know. It's no comparison. Like no. Herb, herbal tea, obviously not caffeinated tea, but yeah, been having like a, a lemon and ginger and manuka honey tea. But yeah, it's not. It's good, but it's not the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah okay, interesting. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's good to stress your body, isn't it? Like yeah. we always talk about these like hormetic stresses being good for you, like these low levels of stress that sort of. I'm not suggesting it's like a health. Um, hormetic benefit with this but it's a similar sort of thing like all these low level stresses like exercise yeah. and fasting and all the rest of it sort of seem to be good for you so i yeah. figure just um it's good to mix it up and keep your body guessing a bit like your eating patterns yeah like. i wonder what uh, i was just on the phone to a functional medicine doctor this morning mm. um and she she briefly talked about caffeine and i don't think that she was a big fan of it but mm. i didn't really get into get into the nitty-gritty of it I really wanted to ask her about it, but you're paying by the minute, so. <laughs> if you, I, I if reckon you wanna, if you abstain from it for a, a long enough time, mm. you'll eventually just uh, shrug your shoulders and go, oh, psh, yeah, know, whatever, I don't need yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you, the, yeah. you eventually won't miss it. Sure. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit like when uh, people do the, the dry July or, you know, you go for a month without having any alcohol for those people that drink quite a bit. I think by mm. the end of the month, you're probably yeah. you're sort of over it a little bit. Like, you yeah. obviously... Guys and girls would sort of look forward to that first drink back, I guess, but I don't think you'd be hanging for it every day. I wouldn't imagine. No. Yeah. Well, the drink one I've def I've done. I did eight weeks, and and I've now got no alcohol in the house. Mm. So if I go out, we talked about the social aspect of it. I'll yeah. have a I'll have a beer, but I have actually had a couple of zeros. Mm. Go sneak off, make sure nobody's watching. Go to the other end of the bar, order a zero, pour it into a. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, sit with the mate. Yeah, I'm having a bit. Some of them taste pretty good. Point here, Some of them are good. <laughs> yeah, good. Some of them are a bit watery. Um, but alcohol for me was one that once you'd got a few days in, because it's it's almost hard work not having a beer in the afternoon. And if you don't have one, I've I've done seven days. I can't have one now. I've ruined all that good hard work. Yeah. Fourteen days. No, I'm definitely not having one. When when you're out past a month, it's got to be something special to break that. For me, anyway, because it was a bit of hard work. Not, not nothing like coffee withdrawals, but the, even the ritual of the afternoon beer. You've had a hard day. Oh. It's been hot. It's quite good. Yeah, I but find if I do a hard workout in the late afternoon, where I would then probably be having a beer at around you know an hour afterwards, it stops me from having a drink. Yeah. So yep. I, mm. Uh, and I think there's um, – I saw that uh, Rhonda Patrick, I think it is, oh, yeah. doctor. She was – there's something on YouTube and I haven't looked at it yet, but apparently there is some science behind doing a strenuous workout 
and the physiology physiology of that um, sort of deters you from consuming alcohol mm. after that immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I find that works. I, I, just, I just don't want to drink after I've done a workout. Something maybe ancestral about that, you know. Yeah. Ev- evolutionarily, we yeah. didn't want to. Mm. Well, then a mate of mine from work, he um, after he went to my 50th, he went uh, for a whole year uh, without drinking. I yeah, thought right. about yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. I've never had the courage to do it because if I commit to it, I know I'll have to do it. Yeah. I've yeah. thought long and hard a few times of like, I should just do a year. Well, he didn't, I think he just took it month by month. He didn't plan on doing a year. Right, yeah. But then when he got to like eight months, he's thinking, man, I feel great. This yeah. is easy. Yeah. I can keep on going. And he just yep. kept on going. And he yep. got to the point where he wasn't going drinking so much that he uh, he just wasn't looking forward to it. Yeah. He just yeah. felt that he was going to be like, you know, going backwards or poisoning himself yeah. if he yeah. started yeah. drinking again. I definitely yeah. felt that. We talked about it being a toxin on our podcast yeah. And you do a bit of research before the podcast. You think, holy shit, what am I doing here? Mm. I shouldn't yeah. be drinking. And then I almost thought when that first one back after a couple of months, I'm like, I'm, I'm drinking a poison. Yeah. And then I didn't really want to. Yeah. I but think if you verbalize going back to the, for a year, I, I often did that. If you verbalize a few things and tell a lot of people about it, then there's external pressure. If you say, I'm not going to drink for a year. You mm. know, yeah. And you tell people. Oh, 1st of January, I'm not going to drink till next, the year after, you know? Yeah. But it's funny though, because when I think about not doing it for a year, I actually couldn't care less about not consuming alcohol for a year. It's about the social ramifications and how, how tricky it is to manage people's expectations. Yeah. Like you go to a big party or something like that and you know, someone goes to hand you a frothy or whatever and you're like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just not going to drink today. And they're like, yeah. oh, what? What? Look at you like you're strange. Hey, everyone, Smithy's ruining the party. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you do what you want to do. Don't worry about me. I'll yeah. still, you know, be yeah. myself and have yeah. fun and whatever. But, but people do get genuinely, I think Australian culture especially is very um, centred around drinking. Yeah, I think that's changed though. Yeah, I think a it's changing. Bit. Yeah. Like, I went into a somewhat unreputable tavern to order my zero alcohol beer. And I think if that had happened 10 years ago, I would have been mobbed. Like the you know? when everyone stops and just looks at you. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the record screeches yeah, and yeah. everyone stops talking and Someone looks over and what? Get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I, I, think, I think it's changed. And you can tell by the sale, the sales of zero alcohol drinks has yep. gone through the roof. Mm. And a lot of young people these days are doing a bit of straight edge, no mm. drink, no drugs kind of thing. Yep. for health benefits and maybe they're maybe they've smarter than us and have realized that that's the way to go yeah i think it's uncool for this generation uncool to be like really hammered yeah and like mm. vomiting in the corner yeah. at yeah. a party or something like that yeah. it's, it's like, uncool it's more embarrassing thing to do back it's a badge in the of honor for us yeah. Yeah. wasn't it yeah, like yeah. yeah. going yeah. hard Spew you know guts up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after i sculled a bottle of something like a badge of honor <laughs> yeah i sculled a bottle of vodka and got pretty fucked up yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it, <laughs> it would have been the real mccoy or something like up in somebody's front garden it was pretty wild oh man yeah i remember those those party nights where you wake up in a bush in the fetal position and you're just lying next to a pile of vomit yeah. oh how was the party yeah it was sick yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it but I think yeah, it was, yeah no yeah. it was good yeah. yeah or you wake up uh, halfway through the party and you go back into it and you've got a, like a soil stain oh, on your cheek man. you've been asleep in the garden you partied hard man man I yeah did crazy things to yeah. the point where um, standing up and passing out and falling forward on my face it's just ridiculous that's the wow. one yeah. yeah we uh, at uni we, uh, we went pretty hard at uni 
and uh, we used to go to this pub and the guy used to make brainy busters and we didn't i don't know what was in the brainy busters but the brainy busters were like rocket fuel mm. and i remember just like knocking back a shitload of those and then just at the car park looking at my mates and then just like fell forward passed out the responsible out. service of alcohol Dude. yeah we used to go to the um chasers bar in the city and they used to make <laughs> flaming lamborghinis <laughs> and back in those days they'd yeah. be five bucks of a, fi- a oh, flamer yeah. and so we'd knock off you know we're, we're living on 70 bucks a week back then and we'd knock off three of those and you were hammered yeah, yeah. but then you'd still manage to hit Aberdeen, Arcadia, Rumours Nightclub, you know, by the end of the night. Were those flaming Lamborghinis with the chasers that they'd pour in at the end? They'd have the two extra little shots to oh. cool you, because they used to light them on fire, obviously. That's they had right. the chartreuse on top. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They'd light them on fire. And, yeah. you, and if you had the, if you went too close to it, you'd burn your eyebrows. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you a story. We used to do the same thing. We used to have the flaming Lamborghinis and I was a young fella and basically because it was one of the most economic ways to drink, you yeah. could have one or two of those bad boys and you'd be pretty well on the way to yeah. starting to get hammered, especially when you're young and you didn't have good like, drinking tolerance. But yeah. I remember one of our mates had just uh, come of age and it was his first trip into a nightclub. And so for some reason he rocked up in a suit. I think he thought the dress code was he had to wear suits. <laughs> so we were all like, just a bit different. But he rocks up in this, yeah. this green suit, oh. like a sort of a dark green and uh, we line up, the, the three or four of us, three or four mates, and we line up three or four flaming Lamborghinis on the bar and the guy puts the chartreuse on top and he, he lights them up. And my mate in the suit, it was the first time he'd had one and he starts drinking it and then he's absolutely hit by how strong it was because they're super rough going down. Like it's not a smooth cocktail, it's like drinking rocket fuel. Pulls the straw out and the straw's on fire and it drips flaming drops of fire all over <laughs> his suit and he catches on fire. <laughs> Yeah, because you couldn't get the straw. You shouldn't let the straw touch the glass because otherwise nah. the straw would melt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you'd get the plastic going through as, yeah. you, as you sucked the, the alcohol. What was so in them? Oh, it was like some crazy concoction of drambuie and chartreuse and three or four other hardcore spirits. And then they used to tip like uh, in Melbourne where I was growing up, they used to tip like a cream and a um, blue Carcao, whatever it's called, in to cool you down at the end because you were basically drinking a cup of fire. So it was pretty hectic. Like, oh yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, it was. If you had a couple of those, you were up and about. Oh, I think they actually poured it into the uh, the rockets that flew to the moon. Like the cast, uh, NASA oh. used to use it as rocket fuel. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. 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 So it was just pretty much five different spirits. It was it was a straight glass of spirits with chartreuse on top, which is one of the strongest I think, which is which was on fire. So you're drinking a whole glass, would have been what, yeah. like maybe 100 mils or 120 mils or something of just straight spirits? Yeah. And you're necking it. You're necking it. So you had to because it was on it fire. Through so a straw. Through a straw. So if you, if you mucked around, you would either catch on fire or your straw would melt. So you had to scull it. I mean, like yeah. suck it down real hard. Yeah. Wow. There was no mucking around. It was full commitment. It was like doing, I don't know, felt like doing two or three tequila slammers just immediately back to back. Yeah. It, was, it was rough. Yeah. But they've banned it now. You can't. They don't yeah. let people like. Um, oh, spirits on and rightly so. Why, 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 kind of see why they've done dudes that. in dark green suits catching on fire. That thing was made of nothing but nylon. Like <laughs> we're talking back in the day when we were growing up, there was no um, RSA, whatever responsible no, service of no, That no. legislation was sort of you know 10, 15, 20 years even. Yeah, uh, away, yeah, away. You know, would, yeah. would you get five dollar jugs? We used to go out Wednesday nights, five dollar jugs in a couple of taverns. You know, yeah, five dollar jug, yeah. A, th- a pint's three times that now. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Drinking's expensive, and that's sometimes – I don't understand how young people manage to mm. afford it. 
It's so expensive now when you. That's why you got to preload before you go out. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why young kids don't drink. Just have a few pre's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Good point. Here's the thing that I've always found interesting is I think in the 80s and 90s, people used to drink a lot harder, obviously, you know, based on what we're saying, as opposed to like today's sort of culture. But I don't remember the culture of big king hits and like guys getting really messed up as much. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder whether that was the media hmm. not covering it. Because it felt like in the maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, it just exploded and everyone was getting king hit and people were banging their heads on the ground and... Mm getting brain dead and stuff. But I don't remember that as a young fella growing up. Yeah, I don't remember that either, mate. And I wonder whether that um, coincides with the more um, proliferation of speed and, um, and like, you know, those, those sort of drugs that get people amped up. I mean, sometimes you go into the city and you see some guys on speed or, or meth or whatever, and they are non-stoppable. Oh, yeah. You know, and they are aggressive. They and are, they yeah. just want to fight and hit and do anything. And I wonder whether... Back in the eighties and nineties, that sort of hadn't really hit the street scene yet. Mm. It was more people were just getting drunk, and I mean, you know, if someone has a go at you and they're really drunk, you can sort of, you know, manage manage defending <laughs> yourself. Maybe they're not so hammered; they didn't not, have the coordination. Yeah, their coordination's gone, their balance is gone, yeah. they're a bit slower. But with these guys on meth and speed or whatever, um, yeah, that's a different story. Mm. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, or was it? Or was it TV and media sort of glorifying the? The big hits, maybe. Yeah, become I don't know. more common. I don't know, but I just don't remember it as a kid. Mm. In my sort of prime, when I was doing a lot of going out and nightclubbing and stuff, yep. wasn't really in my consciousness. Like oh, I didn't might really get, th- exactly. yeah, you're right. You might yeah. get sort of king hit. Yeah, but then later on, I sort of became quite aware of it, and I was yeah. like, oh, "Shit, this is happening like a lot." And then, um, you know, I saw a bit of it when I was working as a paramedic, and I definitely saw the drug side of it. And you're right; those um, people affected by speed and meth and stuff they're they're, they're bloody uh, unpredictable. Do you think society has become more violent? Yeah, hundred percent. I reckon it has. I think back in the day, two two guys or two combatants might have, might have been girls would fight sort of over something, whereas now it's like we almost fight over nothing. Yeah, like you might have a beef with. Some, I remember you might have a beef with someone back in the day, and two people might sort of square up and have a fight. But now it almost seems more indiscriminate. Like you could just be walking along the street, and someone comes up behind you and just kind of clocks you, and you've never even mm. yeah. interacted with them. Yeah, like. Well, yeah. The fuck was that? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. I remember, you know, and we talk about the eighties and nineties, and what a great, what great decades they oh. were. I mean, I loved. I was a teenager in the eighties, and I was in my twenties in the nineties, and I reckon I scored. Uh, the eighties music, the movies was fantastic. Even you know the nineties music, where it changed from that um, that soft pop rock, whatever glam in the eighties, glam yeah. rock <laughs> to grunge. You know, the, the grunge scene totally changed music forever. Um, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was. They were great decades. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. We were talking about um, music, fighting, and going up F- and fighting. fighting yeah. yeah, well, yeah. So sorry, going back to the eighties, like yeah, action hero movies. And I remember the news being freaked out about you know Rambo movies and stuff like that, glorifying violence and shit like that. You know, First mm-hmm. Blood. It's like ah, oh, yeah, whatever. But as those the years have gone by more uh, violent medium have, have become available. So now mm. you've got gamers that are on, you know, my young bloke plays, you know, games where he's killing people and shooting people and it's so lifelike, you know, mm, and yeah. it's like, you know, you're in the point of view perspective. So you're holding the rifle and you can see, you know, you can line up a target and shoot them and blood 
come splurting out or what's that um grand theft auto you know that's oh, a street what, yeah. street version of death and murder yeah. and yeah you know I think you could even like rape prostitutes in that or something yeah. one of the grand theft auto early ones or something it was wow. pretty hectic like yeah 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 so that has sort of just progressed and progressed and i, I wonder whether that has over time just uh affected our society's mentality to violence yeah. mm. made it more a norm yeah it's probably all of those things isn't it a build-up of yeah, yeah. I mean, because like Video when I was alcohol. sitting in the passenger seat of my mum's car, I never heard the word um, uh, what's the term they use for shotgun uh, uh, violence on the street, um, oh. like drivers. Um, oh, road rage. Road rage. Yeah, you'd never no, heard of that thing, term, was it? road rage. No. But it was only until probably fifteen, twenty years ago, well, even less than that, that you heard that term, mm. road rage. And now you're seeing video footage of people getting out of cars and beating the shit out of each other. Yep. Like, yeah. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I remember. I used to work uh, at a at a f- warehouse in the back, packing furniture for a flat pack furniture company, and we were interviewed after a a hatchet attack. Oh. Yeah, this is like a suburban street. It's not middle of nowhere. Guy got out, hatcheted someone in the head. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Is this going back back in the day? Yeah, I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen wow. yeah. at uni. That was mm. my uni job. Yeah, quite quite a violent attack for someone uh, missing the gap and <laughs> not not taking yeah. off, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you know, who knows what was going on? The nineties were a good decade. Yeah, the music was music oh. was unbelievable. You had the growth. It's never of, happened. Well, you again. had the birth of like that nineties grunge era, yeah. but you also had techno coming up, and you yeah. had like uh, groups like the Prodigy and stuff like yeah. doing sampling for the first time, and just two sort of almost entirely new sort of yeah. Styles Eagle. of music. Eagles were going well. Eagles were going well. Yeah, footy was good. You know, footy 90s good. footy was just tough, good, Epic. really spectacular yeah, footy good. to watch. Yeah. It's yeah. not like this sort of um, very tightly managed, yeah. woke culture sort of organisation controlling every facet of it. It was yeah. just a tough it was, hey. spectacle. Yeah. It was such a spectacle. It was. And when Simic got choked out in that game. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. yeah. The VFL back in the 80s was just a tough yeah. league. It was yeah. you know, a ball yeah. being kicked around and f- and people getting hit. Yeah. You know, it mm. was like full on. Yeah. yeah. You'd ha- you had to be a warrior to go out there. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, your yeah. likes of Dermot Brereton and Deja yeah. Williams and yeah. uh, what's that guy from Carlton, Reese. Um, Jones. Rich Jones, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is these wild nuts like you yeah. know, Dippy Domenico and stuff oh, like yeah. that. They were just yeah. they're all fearless, hard footballers. Yeah. But then the nineties become a little bit more polished with the AFL coming in yeah. and but it was yeah. still a good brand. It was still fast and hard. I think yeah. like most things in the nineties, that was almost the high point of footy because it was sort of the birth of AFL um, athletes being actual professionals. That was mm. the nineties was probably the first decade where it was really their full time job and that's what they focused on. Yeah. So the skills got better. Yep. Um, but it was still a, a, a sort of a tough, really gritty game. Yeah. Yep. Whereas now it's almost more like a, a, a field full of athletes being sort of tightly managed and almost choreographed in a way. Not really, but just yep. to know what I'm saying. Like I know what you're yeah. saying. It's very yeah. different. It's become what back in the old days, AFL or VFL, Australian Rules Football was. Um, it was indigenous. It was. Uh, it was its own thing. But then I think as it became more professional, coaches uh, and administration looked towards other sports to get plays that they could use. So I think a lot of them in the 90s went to the basketball sort of style of plays. A lot of them looked at um, soccer or, or football, world Zoning, football. Zoning, yeah. Zoning. And Pagan's Paddock. North Melbourne yeah, had Pagan's yeah. Paddock, didn't they? And that yeah, one yeah. of them a flag. And yeah, whereas back in the old days before the professionalism, it was more just natural, a game of 
of attrition of yeah. Aussie rules yeah. before yeah. other other rule other games became um, or impacted on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The music was good too. Oh, I, I, we the skipped best. over the music. Yeah, man. Yeah. What are you? What are you talking? Nirvana, Pearl Jam, yeah, Soundgarden, yeah, oh, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, all uh, all yeah, Alice in yeah. Chains. Oh, man, yeah. I love that hard music. It's yeah. good. Yeah. But even even Metallica, Faith, and yeah, all, all these yeah. bands are coming up. Yeah, at yep. that time. Yep. Yeah. Good music. Yeah. Amazing. Prodigy, yeah. man. Hey, Prodigy was good. Oh. Uh, old mate died a couple of years ago, didn't he? Did yeah. yeah, Keith from yeah. Prodigy. Yeah. yeah. That was a bit tragic. Mm. Yeah. yeah it was even yeah. even sort of yeah, techno and yeah. EDM electronic yep. dance music was kind of yep. coming up. I remember I remember someone trying to teach me about dance music and the mixing and I remember them sitting down and showing me oh look how skillful this DJ is Just seamlessly putting this Song into the next song. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh shit! <laughs> Give me guitar and drums yeah, any saying, day. Like, the where musical is instrument? The skill? Yeah, yeah. I thought oh, each to their own, I guess. What, whatever you like. But you, I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, and now you've got artists sitting in a room like we are now with headphones on on a computer thing like that, mm. mixing tunes and then putting maybe some lyrics to it. Yeah. Or mixing more tunes and and yeah. sort of syncing them all together. Yeah. And yep. there's a song. Yeah. But you look like, at like Carl Cox, like a famous DJ or something back in the day, just like going off his nut at a concert and he's got a couple of decks and he's mixing in tracks and yeah. it's all seamless and it's pretty sick. Like it it's, is, it's yeah. a lot of skill. Yeah, yeah there yeah. is there is definite skill to a, a good electronic art, music. Yeah. Especially I when they're it. using vinyl yeah. and it's an actual human, you know, teeing all that up and working yeah. out the beats and he's speeding yeah. one up and he's slowing one down and he's starting to put little samples of it in so you know it's coming and it builds the anticipation and then they drop yeah. it and it, you know, seamlessly transfers over and you're like, oh, just... Yeah. yeah, that just really electrifies crowds. I reckon. Oh, like if yeah. you're at a live event, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like there's nothing better cool. than going into a place and you've you know you've you've prepared yourself for the event and you just walk in and it's like, yeah, and you just hear that beat and it just goes through your body. You know, it's sick. Yeah. Yeah, and all you, all you can see is people drinking bottles of water. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm at one of those Very places. healthy crowd here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lollipop, uh, yeah. glow stick. Yeah, yeah. 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 Speaking yeah. of glow sticks, did we get Mick? Is Mick yeah, on board? Yeah, he's, he's on there somewhere. Hello, Mickey, boys. Oh, well, mate, you would have loved the 90s. I mean, and you would have been a favourite of yours. Oh, mate, Carl Cox. Sail away. Uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was very much my – that house techno scene was uh, – was very much my thing, still is. Uh, absolutely loved all that. Was uh, lucky enough to get out to a, a few of those festivals over the years, and um, yeah, I think the it, it's an experience. I mean, if you look at some of those those big European festivals now, it's not just the music; it's the lighting. It's uh, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like it's it's not it's not just a music event; it's a it's an experience, which yeah, I think community. can be said for a lot of, a lot of, and, and it is, it's a community, yeah. you know, um, listening to how you were describing someone trying to, uh, explain the whole, uh, effect and the show to you, Jonesy, that, that actually, that might've been me having that conversation with you. Cause I, I, I feel like I've had that conversation with people before, just in awe of how they pull the whole production together and almost their observation of a crowd as they as they are building up to that moment where they you know drop the main part of a track or introduce a different track or something like that, and uh, that's always been something I've, I've I've found really cool and 
I agree with everything you guys were saying in terms of, you know, footy at that time and how engaging it was. Uh, you know, not just footy. Um, I think growing up in Perth, what an amazing time to follow the Perth Wildcats at that stage. You know, like, I don't know if you guys ever went to the old Perth Entertainment Centre on a, on a Friday or Saturday night, but we had... You know, we had big James Crawford and Ricky Grace and Andrew Vlahov and, uh, you know, they were, and obviously they are still a highly successful team, but what an era for basketball in, in the country as well, you know, as a, as a sport that was really looking to, you know, take a place in, I guess, Australian society. But, yeah, what a great time. What was, a great time. Was basketball over here in the early days, was that funded by the Americans because I know the, the little the baseball league here uh, is, and say, say the Perth Heat, they've got an affiliation with the Tampa Bay Rays. There's a couple of good pitchers over there playing for them, and I th- I think the baseball is almost propped up completely by America. Was that the same as same as over here? Do you know, or was it entirely based on the fact that the popularity of basketball could manage its own? Or was it that the Americans were trying to get a foothold? Because I know that's what happened in, say, um, Jamaica and the West Indies. You, you look at the West Indies of the 80s and 90s in the cricket, they were amazing. And I, th- I think this, this may be speculation or conspiracy theory, but um, there was a lot of basketball. The Americans obviously saw a lot of potential in the basketballers over there, and they were putting... They were paying to put little, um, you know, three-on-three half-courts all over Jamaica, the West Indies, and a lot of kids that probably would have played cricket, big, tall, Curtly Ambrose-style fast bowlers, they ended up then playing basketball, and, and Windy's cricket hasn't been been the same since. So I don't know if that – did that happen over here, Mick? Do you know? I, I think – no, I think I think it was Australian-funded because I, yeah, I believe okay. uh, similarly to AFL – uh, where they had the Victorian Football League, they had the, I think it was called the Australian Basketball Association, and it was primarily an East Coast thing. Uh, and then like the introduction of uh, the West Coast Eagles as the first interstate team, there was the introduction of, uh, of sort of the Adelaide 36ers, of, um, what were they called, the Brisbane... Bullets. What were they? Brisbane Bullets, yeah, and then uh, and then the Perth Wildcats, and then the game expanded into a national game and became the National Bas the National Basketball League. But from from memory, it's always been an Australian funded sport. Yeah, okay. uh, they've gone through the the you know I, I can remember I think it was you know the early two thousand and teens the the National Basketball League almost um, became defunct. Yeah. Uh, such was the poor following at that period and things like that. And, uh, yeah, but, but certainly that, that late 80s, early 90s as the game expanded was, you know, was an amazing period for basketball and, um, you know, the game in general. Uniforms, Trevor Torrance, double zero, the old black and white <laughs> sort of cross hash. That was, yeah, that were great. I remember having a little... um basketball ring over my trampoline and doing dunks because of the basketball yeah it's pretty good stuff well anyway guys it could be a good point to close it out with my shitty story about my trampoline 
<laughs> I'm sure you're a great <laughs> dunker, mate. Maybe when you talk, when you would have been a short ring, I reckon, uh, Jonesy. That's why I needed the trampoline, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when you start talking about uh, doing some dunks on your trampoline, that might be a good a good indication that we've had enough talking for this episode. Yeah, well, I guess today was just a brief uh, chit chat, wasn't it? Yeah, we we didn't know where we were going to go. I thought we might casual. go sort of politics and. Um, you know, world events, but we've gone 90s music and... A bit of reminiscing almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. We started out with your coffee and then we ended up at 90s music. So that was a pretty good little yeah, round trip about there. The coffee. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, well, pretty yeah. exciting week uh, coming up next week, fellas. We've got... Yeah, very uh, special guests. Absolute uh, AFL legend of the 90s, Brett Hetty, coming in. So. Yeah, yeah, which ties into the 90s quite quite good. So it sure does, we did yeah. talk about that. We did. Uh, we we We... We did briefly touch about the Peter Sumich brawl at um, West yeah. Coast Footscray in the 90s, and that yeah. was probably sparked by the Steve Wallace hit on Brett Hetty. Yeah, well, maybe we can get his, uh, get his take on a bit of that stuff. And You might not remember much. Can, well, no. Yeah. yeah, neither did Sumich, but... No. That was, that was full on. That was, I yeah. I think that was quite close to being uh, a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Southern, wasn't he a... Mm. Mad dog. Yeah. Mad dog of 90s footballer. Icon. Yeah. You yeah. killed a man on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. you got to lay low for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, on that note, we yeah. probably should sign off. And um, yeah. until next week. Yeah, until next week. Extra special guest. All right, see you later. All right, see you later. Get lads. the air Good guitars boy. ready. Yo.